Good evening, grave robbers. Welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. And then sometimes someone offers you a dollar, and you take that dollar. With me as always is TV's Noah Houlihan. You're tearing me apart, Lisa! Yeah, things are very weird, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is really going to reflect how weird things are right now. Uh, we're in, we're like the rest of the civilized world, social distancing. Yes. And uh, when I say civilized world, I don't mean shade on countries that are not currently social distancing. I mean, if you're in your 20s and you think it's still cool to go to the bar, you are not civilized. Um <laughs> Stop licking things. Oh my god, there was a girl on TikTok who licked an airplane toilet on TikTok and called it the Corona TikTok. On the TikTok and called it the Coronavirus Challenge. Ooh, that's gonna go viral. I realized we can't say the name of it because we go on YouTube. So you're gonna have to bleep out where I Oh, we don't get monetized, period. Fair enough. We, okay. <laughs> we are not at that level of YouTube. Coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. I, I'd like to point out that we're doing this to make one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But in any case, uh we we got an off I made an off comment just saying like subscribe to our patreon which does not exist and we'll do the the room as a bonus episode and someone messaged me and said i will give you one dollar so you know who you are my paypal is noahoulahan at gmail.com i expect my dollar soon <laughs> half um, of that's yours oh great um that's that's a good amount of money for something about the room. Yes, yes. So, so we're going to talk about the room today. Yeah, we we watched this uh, on our own time, not for the podcast. Yes. Um, so that's great. We just watched it on purpose, and uh, I could see myself becoming a person who gets too into the room. Yeah, I could totally see that as well because it is fascinating. It is mesmerizing. Yeah, I was just like to to watch this and be like. Somebody thought this was good. Somebody thought this was a great plan. Laura, are you okay? That's a lot. That beer is a lot. Yeah, we're also drinking. Yay! We're not getting monetized. We're drinking. Also, you know, we are doing this in the safety of our homes. Yes. We are social distancing. Here we are. You can have your beer while you're yeah. social distancing. Absolutely. It's a, it's a nice dark beer. St. Patrick's Day. We don't have any Guinness. Yeah, so we're going with beer that was in our fridge for a while. <laughs> we're going with a pumpkin stout I found. Yeah. So let's talk about The Room. Oh, I've done nothing else for weeks. Yeah, I know. This is, you're, <laughs> you're really going to be driving the boat this time. So The Room centers on, a, we start out with Johnny, who is played by the inimitable Tommy Wiseau. Yes, the writer, director, and star of this film. And, and producer. producer. Excuse me, producer. And he does do the thing we've made fun of all the other Razzie movies with, of the, you know, starring, directed Yeah, the by. same name coming up every time. So he does a lot of that, and he's coming home to his fiance, the beautiful Lisa. 
Yes. She's beautiful, guys. Yeah, man, do they say she's beautiful. Like, to the point where I feel bad for the actress who plays Lisa, because she's not unattractive, but she is not mimetically beautiful the way... Yeah. The cast wants to, like, the way the script sets her up to be. Yeah, like, Dreamweaver's not going to play when you look at her. Yeah, like, if she was playing, like, the lead character's friend's girlfriend, you wouldn't be like, ew, she's ugly. Right. But, like, she's not, like, they set her up in a place where she can't really achieve that. Mm -hmm. She's also lit poorly and dressed badly, and neither of those are the actress's fault. Yeah, like, they don't do the things necessary to make her as beautiful as they claim her to be the entire film. Uh, She was cast because she was the only woman who survived Wizzo's casting. Oh. Yo. So tell me about a little bit about Wizzo's casting then. Uh, So I also read The Disaster Artist. I have not seen the film. Yeah, I, I, I suggested that we should. But th- since our usual motto or, or dynamic is you've done research and I haven't, I stayed away from it so Laura could fill me in on lots of fun trivia. And I read it. Like, I read mm-hmm. the book, uh, which is more accurate than the movie is anyway. Right. Because uh, the movie The Disaster Artist does take some liberties. Of course. Because it's a film. So when Tommy Wiseau was auditioning actresses for uh, Lisa, there was literally... You're not... What do you think was in the room? I I bet it was just a couch. Like a casting couch. Oh, you're close. It was a bed, wasn't it? It sure was, Noah. No! (laughs) You're tearing Noah apart. And so a lot of actors is like kind of Abraham Simpson walked in, walked out. Understandable. Um, Some people found out Tommy Wiseau was playing Johnny. Mm-hmm. And noped out. Cool. Including one who was just straight up warned by Greg Sestero, who plays Mark. Yeah. Uh, an actress took him aside and was like, do you know who's playing Johnny? Has he been cast yet? And Greg Sestero was like, she seemed like a really nice, cool person. So I told her. <laughs> I never saw her again. Uh, Juliet. Uh, what was her last name? Juliet Danielle. Uh, she was cast in a different role initially. Okay. I believe she was cast as Michelle. And then when they lost their initial Lisa for Tommy Wiseau related reasons, she just came in and was like, my part now. Pretty and cool. it was very Lisa-y. Yeah. So it helped her get the part. It was very just like conniving and manipulative. Uh, some would see it as very helpful, <laughs> but I see your point. Well, that's how they looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Johnny comes home and presents... His beautiful fiance, Lisa. Yes. With this red dress. Yes. Anything, Anything for, for my princess. princess. Um. Wow. Look at you. It's from Johnny. Anything for my princess. <laughs> then we meet uh, Denny. His name is Denny? Denny. It's not like Danny? No. It's Denny, Denny, like. Short for. Like, like for Denny's. No, short for Denny's Grand Slam American Breakfast. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so Denny is of indeterminate age. Yes, it's very confusing. The actor was among the older actors. He's very- older than the actor playing Mark. What? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. I'm so... Alright. Let's continue. And We're nobody- never going to get through this episode. And he's... Uh, Indeterminate age, we're not really sure if he's supposed to be a senior in high school 
or a college student. Because he yeah. mentioned that Johnny pays his tuition and is going to help him when he graduates. Which implies college student. Yeah. Uh, that being said, he doesn't act old enough to be in college. He acts very, very young. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny and Lisa are going to go have special grown-up time. Yes, yeah, so they go But up- Denny... Does not take the hint. Yeah, so they go up this, like, spiral staircase that is in this room to, like, this loft bedroom. And they're about to get intimate when, like, Denny just kind of, like, leans in. And uh, Johnny just grabs him, throws him on the bed, and, like, tickles him. Yeah, they have, like, a weird tickle fight. So I'm like, so I think this kid is, like, 12. We're supposed to be 12. Yeah. Whereas just like, ah, you little slugger. Yeah, it's the claw. You know? Why does that come up so many times this week? Uh, so he kind of like tickles him. And then Denny says, I just like to watch you guys. Oh, Denny, Denny, Denny boy. <laughs> Denny, two's great, but three is a crowd. <laughs> yep. So, like, well... So you do know what they're about to do, and you're just going to be a voyeur? Is that really what's about to happen? Yeah, like, he's very disturbing. They finally, like, get rid of Denny. Yes, and we get a sex scene. Uh, it is very long. You get a lot of time with so but There's, like, shots of, like, water fixtures as well? yeah. And they're drinking wine. Or champagne, maybe. It's champagne. Yeah, they're drinking champagne. Yes. So this scene is incredibly uncomfortable. Um, there's uh, top nudity from Lisa. There's a lot of Johnny's butt. Like, like a lot. I mean, like, this almost qualifies as softcore pornography. It does, yes. it's um, It's also got that, like terrible r&b slow jam over it yeah but like that feels very much like stock music yeah exactly exactly but it's telegraphed very clearly like there's a little fountain in their room mm-hmm. there he like uses roses to like yeah Cause, and i because i remember yelling there are thorns on those it is very obviously a sex scene written by someone who has decided the Valentine's Day aisle of CVS is the utmost of romance. Yeah, is what sex is. Like, it's very... The positioning doesn't look right. Like, he's so high up on her body. Yeah, nothing makes sense. That you're like, it's... I don't think that's going where you think that's going, bud. It goes on for too long. And... Far too... It's... I... For reasons... Uh, I had to have, like, the timestamps of these written down. Mm-hmm. Because I was, uh, somebody on Reddit wrote down the exact timestamps of the sex scenes because he had watched it with his parents. <laughs> and a friend of mine wanted to watch it with her, um, like, teenage daughter. Right. So I sent that to her. That scene runs about five minutes. Unbelievable. The stamina of this man. Five minutes doesn't sound long until you are watching it and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And you desperately wish it was over. Like, five minutes doesn't sound long. But, like, it's long if you were, like, on fire. Or just (laughs) desperately uncomfortable. Yeah, well, that's what I can compare it to. (laughs) Fair enough. So, 
after the the sex scene, we we see like a scene of him just walking around naked. Which yeah, it's is the next. It's the next morning. He's like getting ready to leave for work. He also like he looks decent from behind. Like he's in good shape. But like when he turns around and you see his face, you're like, oh, what happened? Are you calling Tommy Wiseau a butterface? I'm I'm saying from behind he looks like a man <laughs> who works out, and I'm saying from the front. <laughs> He looks like a halfway melted candle. <laughs> That's what I am saying. So yes, exactly what I just said, but you managed to make it so much meaner than what I said. Sorry, Tommy Wiseau. He's probably going to know this happened, too. I bet he Googles himself. I'll, I'll tweet at him. Oh my god, please don't. So we get this little scene of... um. He's he's in line for promotion, and he's supposed to find out that day about the promotion. So he has, like, a little scene with Lisa before he leaves for work that, like, establishes them as, like, a couple, and they love mm-hmm. each other, and they do the sex, and then he leaves. Yeah. Then uh, Lisa's mom turns up, and you realize that every, uh, this is when I realized that it's like a play. Yeah, the room. They're trying to use one set as much as they can. And also, every it never comes in in media res. Like, we don't come in on the next scene, and it's Lisa and her mother already drinking tea at the table. Right. Lisa's mom has to come in. They have to greet each other. Hi, mom. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? It feels like a play in, like, not a well-written one. Yeah, we can't just have her be there. Yeah. We have to see her arrive. So it starts off Lisa and Claudette, and then Lisa's just, like, telling her mom, like, I don't love Johnny anymore. We've seen them have a passionate love scene, and he bought her a gift, and everything seemed fine, and then she goes, like, I don't love him anymore. She almost seems like a different character when she's not with Johnny. Like, I almost... What do I want to say? Everything about this movie is bad. But, like, they needed to do something where it explained, like, that she was being fake with Johnny or something. Because everything... She's perfectly in love with him when they're together. Yeah. And then they separate. She's like, I hate him for no reason. Yeah, she uh, kind of does the, like... It's what a nice guy thinks women do. Like a nice guy, like air quotes, internet nice guy. Yeah. Of he's very good to her and therefore she doesn't respect him or love him. Right, right. And her mom is kind of taken aback because Johnny has a good job and Johnny has money. Yes. And she, uh, the mom is kind of expected that Johnny is going to help support her. Yes. Basically, she is, she speaks as if she is written by a man. Who would side with him. Yeah. And you'll notice this with pretty much every character. Um, Every character is, Johnny is a living earth angel. Like, Lisa, bad. Yeah. So, uh, it's very weird. Uh, Claudette really pushes that Lisa should marry Johnny anyway, whether she loves him or not. Yeah, because of money. Like, there's a weird, like, gold diggy thing here. Yeah. But, like... It doesn't, it's not presented that way. It's presented kind of like, he has money, 
So of course it'll work out. Yeah. L- like, you will learn to love him because he provides for you. Exactly. You couldn't provide for yourself. That would be ridiculous. We never, she does not have any kind of job. We know this because she's always in the apartment by herself when Johnny's supposed to be at work. Yeah. It's never mentioned that she works any kind of job. Like, she is very much a, a homemaker, I guess. They don't really have any kids or any, like, anything that would require her to stay home. Right. And they're not married, so you can't really call her a stay-at-home wife. Right. So she's kind of just a freeloader? Yeah. So Lisa then picks up the phone and calls somebody. And it she's calling Mark. Mark's responses to this phone call are so vague that the first time I saw this, I assumed that we were going to pan over and Johnny was going to be in the car with Mark. Yeah, like he's trying to, like, disguise what's going on. Oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm very busy. I can't talk right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, Lisa complains to Mark about her mother. Right. Uh, and then kind of was like, you know, I really want to see you, Mark. It's it's establishing that Lisa and Mark have a relationship that's maybe not above board. Yeah. Um, but Lisa kind of throws herself at Mark, and Mark's like, eh whatever uh you know you've been very happy with johnny Mm -hmm. he tries to be the voice of reason first right and like nothing it doesn't really make a lot of sense so we cut to the next day is this the where he buys flowers no this is uh when mark comes into the apartment oh wow that happens okay yeah this is the next day okay so we get like time lapse of san francisco there's so much b-roll in this movie right like i imagine without all the setting shots this movie would be 23 minutes long yeah there's a lot of establishing shots and so mark comes in and like lisa pours wine it is clearly noon like lisa is setting the stage for a seduction at noon on a weekday it's not even an afternoon delight because they have a well it's technically afternoon it's 1202 (laughs) Um, so she kind of does the, like, it's so hot in here and unbuttons her blouse. Like, that kind of mm-hmm. very, like, very high schooly seduction. Have you ever seen the movie Clueless? Uh, never start to finish. It reminds me of that, of the scene where she is trying to seduce, uh, I want to say Christian is his name. I, I, I haven't seen it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do not ask me that question. She has a friend who uh, she develops a romantic interest in. And he turns out to be gay. Okay. And she kind of goes through all of these like very juvenile seduction techniques. Okay. That you kind of expect out of a 16 year old girl. Uh, like who has only learned what relationships are like through pop culture. Mm-hmm. So she's doing that. But now it's supposed to be a grown woman. Right. Like this, Lisa is at least 23. You've got to figure because she's been with Johnny for five years. Let's pray to God she got with Johnny when she was at least 18. So let minimum 23. Okay. Uh, And then like, Mark is kind of just like awkwardly sitting there and he's like. I mean, the candles, the music, the sexy dress. I mean. 
What's going on here? No candles, no music. Yeah, you're right. Those things do not exist. Yeah, like, you'd think just the wine is enough. Yeah. Like, Lisa, it's 12.04. Yeah, what are you doing? Like, do you have a problem? Should I call someone? Like... Nah, this movie couldn't possibly handle a drug subplot. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) So, Lisa, like, seduces Mark. Yeah, but... Mark fights back because Johnny is his best friend. Yes. You may not know this, so he repeats it a hundred times in this film. And Lisa also says Johnny is your best friend at one point. Yeah, yeah, everyone knows this. His relationship with Mark is well more well established amongst the community, more so than his relationship with Lisa, it seems. So we also establish in the scene that Johnny and Lisa are to be married next month. Um I am married. There's no way she would just have all this time to just, like, hang around. Yeah, the weddings are a pain in the ass. Especially if you're getting married next month. Mm-hmm. Like, let me tell you what the month before my wedding looked like. <laughs> Remember that story I told during Medea family funeral about when I hit the cop car? That was the month before my wedding. That was the level of stressed out I was at all times. Yeah. Of, like, distracted... Sneezed and hit a cop car. Yeah, that's pretty distracting. Like, took my foot off the brake while sneezing. Level of, like, just not there. Um, So, like, there's never any mention of wedding prep. No. no, In fact, we actually established she doesn't have a dress yet. She doesn't have a dress? I think they say something, like, about not having a venue. I don't remember that, but I'm sure they, like... There may have been a line that was something like, I don't even know where it's going to be. And logically, like, invites would have been out already. Yeah. Like, that's how this works. Yeah. So this is also written by someone who clearly has never planned or been adjacent to a wedding. Right. Because even just, like, being a bridesmaid in other people's weddings, you know that, like, how far out all of this stuff is done. Both of my, I have two friends getting married in September and October of this year. They both already have dresses. Of course. Like, you know, I've already. It's almost as if this movie is written by a man who has never planned a wedding. Yeah. But I'm like kind of using my counter arguments to tell you like exactly how wrong he is. So they, then like Mark and Lisa have a weird intimate scene. They're, thank God, fully clothed. Yeah, but they bang on the steps of a spiral staircase. Yeah, it doesn't look comfortable. No, and, like, they bang on steps that are next to a couch. Like, <laughs> this, there's a scene, There's a famous uh, staircase sex scene in A History of Violence. Yes. At least that's on real stairs. Yeah. Like, that scene starts off non-consensual. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen that movie. I just kind of, like, know about that scene because yeah. it's infamous. Uh, have you seen that movie? Yes, it's a very good film. Is it is that scene non-consensual through the entire encounter, or does it begin non-consensual and then it's, she's, like, okay with it? it, it the way it basically happens is... Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it. It starts as a fight. Okay. Like, they, they, they're, like, physically fighting. And then it kind of, like, turns into kissing. And then they're kind of, like, into it. <laughs> And then they have sex, 
And then he finishes, and then she's like, now get off me. And he's like, I just came. I'm just going to lay on the steps. And she, like, stomps away. It's a weird scene. So, but, like, that's the only other stare sex scene I could think of. And this is yet somehow more uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, And she, like, this scene is, I'm going to go to the, go to the tape. Uh, this scene is three minutes long. Yeah. The sex scene part of it. Yeah. Not, and when I say three minutes long, you're going to think that I mean the scene where he asks about the wine and like. No, just the sex part is three minutes long. Just the weird, slow jam, fully clothed montage. It's like dry humping Fantasia. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> I hate that I said that line so much. I want you to also go over to our Patreon where you can buy the dry humping Fantasia mug. <laughs> Thank you for supporting the Stay Tuned podcast. That's why I don't use my real name. We don't have a Patreon. Thank God. <laughs> Afterwards, Mark is immediately repentant and upset. Yes. Like, Mark has gotten caught up in the heat of the moment. He's immediately like, why? Why did I do this? But he's also blaming her entirely. Yeah. Well, she was being a vicious trollop and forced herself on him. He said, why did you do this to me? (laughs) Why did you do this to me? Why? Johnny's my best friend. Oh, this movie is so dumb. And she tells him she loves him. Which, like, okay. Yeah. We don't really, there's not really a lot of chemistry between them. No. And he's like, no, we can't do this. Like, this is going to hurt Johnny. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I know Johnny's your best friend. Yeah, you, lest we forget. And then Mark's just like, you're right. And then they make out a little bit more. <laughs> and then here's your favorite scene. Johnny buys some flowers. This this isn't my favorite scene, but but I do really like this scene. Because the entire thing is clearly VO. Like it's clearly all voiceover. And he rolls up and he buys some flowers. It's not voiceover. It has to be. There is no way it, none of the mounts match. So uh just because it's not voiceover doesn't mean it's the same you they use the same takes necessarily what like the audio sync is actually bad in this movie like there's a number of scenes where they have to use they're not using the quote quote best take uh because they use the only one where the audio works so the flower scene is really the audio i i refuse to believe that she actually says, you're my favorite customer. The way it's cut up, that audio has to come from somewhere else. Could you believe perhaps she was not a professional actress? Oh, oh, that I knew. That I knew. But I'm just saying, like, the way it's cut in, Mm -hmm. like, she's nowhere near him when that is being said. Like, that has to come from somewhere else. It has to. For me to accept this... It has to. I'm assuming there's a take where she's on camera saying it. That yeah. they just huck in. That's that's what I mean. Okay. Uh, I thought you meant they did like ADR on this later. And I was like, oh, they did not. That was my first thought. But I could totally see them using audio from another scene. 
and then putting it over. But it doesn't look like it matches at all. Yeah, and the florists are really the people who worked at the flower shop. They were allowed to play themselves. Oh, nice. And uh, what's the what's the best part of the scene? There's a dog on the counter. How much is it? It'll be $18. Keep, go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. So, uh, it was several takes before Tommy Wiseau realized that was a real dog. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, he thought it was a statue. So, when he says, oh, hi, doggy, that is a natural, real reaction. And it's... <laughs> Sestero. No, it's no! No! That wasn't... What do you mean? Greg Sestero says it's one of his favorite parts of the movie because you can see, like, how sweet Tommy can be as a person. Because it's literally like any time you have a conversation with me when we're outside. And I cut myself off to see a dog. Or the ice cream truck, which happened earlier today. So here's the thing that, like, really gets me about this scene is the entire purpose of this scene, especially now, because I thought maybe they were trying to show that he's a nice person because he pets dogs, but that apparently wasn't part of the script. The entire purpose of this scene is to show that he bought flowers. Yes. But, like... Which is unnecessary. It's entirely unnecessary. It's like, I bought these flowers for you while I was gone. It's not like we as the audience would be like, did he though? Did he steal those flowers? Yeah, I don't think I... Is there a scene missing? Because I didn't see him buy the flowers. Yeah, and like, in I can't think of another scene where it was the purchasing of a gift is deemed that important. Unless it's part of the actual plot. Right. Like the only other purchasing a gift scene I can really think of off the top of my head is Love Love Actually. Actually. Yep. (laughs) Where Rowan Atkinson's character takes four flippin' ever. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to actually be an angel right. in an original script who's intervening before Alan Rickman's character made a huge mistake. Right. And him buying the gift is super important because then Emma Thompson's character has to find out he bought the gift so that when she doesn't get it, mm-hmm. there's drama. Right. It does not matter who these flowers no. are for or where they came from. He could have easily walked in with a bouquet of flowers in the next scene and no one would have questioned it. Yeah, and just, like, the amount of money that must have been spent. Because, like, they have the rooftop set. They have the... <laughs> oh, they have in, the room. And they have that other weird set that shows up at one point. Like, the weird brick set. Yeah. Uh, and the coffee shop. You, the coffee shop is, a, is only really used once. Yeah. And is also a weird scene that you didn't super need i'll have something to say about it but this one in particular like to spend the money to shoot at a flower shop when it could have like why (laughs) uh this production had a mysterious amount of money okay uh and didn't use it well i i can see that part so we're gonna i'm gonna drop some some bombs on you later. You're going to keep that comment in your pocket for now? I'm going to keep my not stupid comment in my pocket. All right. Um, so then uh, we kind of see Lisa in the house talking on the phone, ordering a pizza. Because we need to see her order the pizza. Yeah, or else we'd be like, how did that pizza get there? And like, the pizza's half Canadian bacon with pineapple, 
Half artichoke with pesto and light on the cheese. I hate these people. <laughs> I lose my mind on this order. But then when they get the... We do see the pizza later. And it is not that. It's a plain pizza. <laughs> I'm guessing that they hung up and they were like, that had to have been a joke. No one would eat something that disgusting. So, uh, Denny turns up. And Denny kind of like comes in and hangs out with Lisa and then asks Lisa if he can kiss her. And Lisa's like, you're such a little brat. What is this? It Again, Lisa is written like a snotty 16-year-old girl. And Denny is written like a troubled 12-year-old boy. No. Denny is written like... Spoilers for the movie Orphan? <laughs> Denny is written... Like a creepy 40-year-old that has a disease that makes him look 12. Fair. Like, that, that is that character. So then, like, Lisa goes, uh, you know, Johnny will be here soon. You can wait for him if you want. And then Denny goes, I gotta go. Okay, bye. 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 Yeah, starting the trend of people showing up to deliver a few lines and then saying, I have to go. It's like, I only planned to be here for eight minutes. Tops. And, like, you could have done this scene easily. Fine. Of having uh, Denny go, like, is Johnny here? And Lisa going, like, no, he'll be home soon if you want to wait. No, uh, I, I just have to talk to Johnny. I I'll come back. Yeah. But first, can I kiss you? Yeah, instead they make it creepy. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny brings her the roses. But he didn't get his his uh, promotion. Right. We never learn where he works, right? The bank. He works at a bank? Yeah. Oh, I never... We don't know what he does. He just works. He's, he's the janitor. Well, he he puts their idea... He says, uh, they already put my ideas into practice. The bank saves money and they're using me. I am the fool. And Lisa immediately goes like, I still love you. Yeah, she lies to him. Like and then it. one of my favorite things is like, she goes, do you want me to order a pizza? And he goes, whatever. I don't care. And she goes, I already ordered a pizza. And he's like, oh, you think of everything. Yeah. They're kind of being cute. <laughs> and doesn't look weird of like, do you want takeout? I don't care. I already ordered takeout. Oh, you're the best. Yeah, that's true. Of like. Because I know whenever I, I do the, like, when you're like, oh, do you want this for dinner? And I'm like, whatever, I don't care. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to give you three places and you're going to pick one. Mm -hmm. Or else. Yeah. <laughs> or else we will just sit here and yeah, stare Yeah, or, or it turns out you do care and you need to come up with something. <laughs> so, then uh, Lisa tries to offer Johnny a drink. And Johnny says, I don't drink. You know that. What happened in the first scene? They drink champagne. Exactly. So, all yeah, that's immediately just confusing. And then they start drinking, and what do they drink? Scotchka. Scotchka. It is scotch and vodka. Do we happen to have that in our home right now? I don't know. Because I would love to drink some scotchka on mic to kind of let the world know what a mistake this would be. So, we didn't have scotch... And we only had flavored vodka. Okay. Whiskey is kind of like scotch. Gotcha. Fireball is technically whiskey. Gotcha. Uh, we also had some UV chocolate cake vodka. 
<laughs> All right, let's have some Scotska. Oh. Our only chaser is beer. This is a great move. That's for you. I have a soda right here. Mmm. Mmm. To the room. Laura <laughs> L- looked at me as if she was Vizzini in The Princess Bride, waiting for me to do mine first. I don't drink that much. Oh. This is terrifying. I haven't done a shot since I was like in my 20s. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm going to finish all of this. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, to the room. Clink. <laughs> drink it <laughs> i just stared at you while you drank yours oh my god what okay no his face is really red oh we should have made this a video podcast before now guys no one's crying talk about the room <laughs> so oh you're gonna make me talk about a sex scene so they drink the scotchka and weirdly, despite the fact that he doesn't drink, Tommy Wiseau takes his scotchka way better than Noah takes the abomination I just made. And uh, Johnny doesn't want to drink it. And Lisa goes like, if you love me, you'll drink it. And they drink it. Uh, and it comes I'm, to if later. If you said that to me about what I just drank, <laughs> we would no, no longer be together. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want mine? No, I didn't finish mine. It burned. Okay, continue. I didn't even taste it. I'm not going to lie. I just looked at you while you drank yours. Um, So, like, Lisa's now wearing Johnny's tie as a headband, which I also did in 2003, Mm -hmm. wearing men's ties as a headband. Avril Lavigne was a thing. You were there. Uh, And then, like, Johnny drops and shatters a glass. Yes. Like, just breaks one. And he and Lisa have, like sloppy drunk sex and he goes like i'm tired i'm wasted i love you darling (laughs) and then they have like he turns into a 1920s debutante darling i love you i'm drunk and uh it's a different slow jam but it's definitely the same footage yeah because well because what i noticed is they use the footage from this sex scene in the first sex scene, because now they have the roses. Laura just tried the Scotchka. It's not that bad. Okay, shut up. <laughs> it's not great. I don't want any more. Mm. I can see why you can't stand it, though. Yeah. It's very sweet and very cinnamony, mm-hmm. which is why I chose to combine those two, because I thought the chocolate would help. <clears throat> So they used the footage from the other scene, from this scene, for the first sex scene. It's very clear. We get more time it was so, but... This one's shorter. It's shorter, but not by much. How how long is this one? Do you know? Um, Thanks to my friend on Reddit, I can tell you that this one's only a little over a minute and a half. Okay, thank God. So then... uh. We come back to the living room, and it's Lisa and her mom again. Mm-hmm. Ostensibly, time has passed. Yes. And uh, Lisa is organizing a birthday party for Johnny. That's the point of this scene. 
Yeah, that's right. She wants to leave him. But I mean, it's his birthday. And uh, Lisa and Claudette are kind of talking about like, Lisa's mom is very much like a gold digger. Right. And Lisa's mom definitely has breast cancer. Yeah, she just drops, she peppers that into the conversation. She's just like, I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. Her daughter never has a reaction to it. She's just like, that's what I expected. I don't think this is how the test works. What do you mean? Like, like when you get breast cancer, I feel like a doctor's like, I hate to be the one who tells you this. It's not like you open up an envelope and it's like, the results say positive. Well, I mean... We are getting this from Claudette. The test results came back and I definitely have breast cancer. That's Claudette saying, like, giving this information to uh, Lisa. Well, and most importantly, this never comes up again. Correct. Uh, So why is it in the movie? (laughs) I've read a really interesting interpretation of that, like, Claudette is the kind of mom that gets a life-threatening illness at least annually for attention. That, no, that that requires too much intuitive writing. Yeah, a lot of people... A lot of people read a lot into the room to try to make it make sense, babe. I, I'm pretty sure this is Tan Wuzo going, what else do women do? Oh, they get breast cancer. Let's, yeah. So, Claudette says, like, well, at least you have a good man. And then Lisa, we kind of see the reason Lisa had this previous scene of Lisa got Johnny drunk... So that she could say, you know, he didn't get his promotion. He got drunk last night and hit me. Yes. You know, because that's another thing that those dastardly women do is they lie about spousal abuse. I mean, they're not married. So it's just abuse, abuse, I guess. Yeah. Lie about domestic abuse. Yeah. To make a good man look bad. And then we get the Mike and Michelle scene. Allow me to set the stage. Imagine, if you will, two characters you've never seen before having sex on the couch. And that's all it is. And he makes cartoonish faces. Yeah. Think Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters. Yes. When that go in that scene with the ghost. He acts as if that he was... scene with the ghost in Ghostbusters. You know but you know the one I'm talking yeah. about. He acts as if the direction was in post we're going to have steam come out your ears. Yes. <laughs> um And then Lisa's mom shows up and he, and they're like, Oh, we were busy boning. Goodbye. And then they just leave. Yes. And Lisa's mom goes, Oh, all that shopping wore me out because women be shopping. Women be shopping, yo. Women be shopping. And then Denny comes in and Lisa introduces Denny to her mother. I have a really hard time believing they have never crossed paths. Denny and uh, Claudette. If Lisa lives there and Claudette is over as much as she is. Do they, they actually introduce? Yeah. Wow, that is weird. Yeah, I, I did, like that didn't register, but based on what's going to happen later in the movie, this is insanity that this is their first meeting. And like, we find out a little bit more about Denny that Denny's over eighteen, mm-hmm. 
And that, like, Denny also lives in the building. He has his own apartment. Johnny pays for it and Johnny takes care of him. And that Johnny's like a father figure to Denny. Now, th- this is a thing that super bothers me. Yes. Denny lives in the same building yes. as Mark and Lisa. As, I'm sorry, as, as Johnny and Lisa. Yes. And also Mark lives in this building. Yes. When they open the door, it's to outside. Yes. I mean... What is this building? I mean, I've lived in places that are multi-unit dwellings, but your door opens to outside. Yeah, I mean, we, we currently live in one of those, but we don't share a rooftop... Like, we know the dimensions of the rooftop of this building. It's not that big. That's true. So, like, the fact that they all live in the same building makes no sense. Yeah, and you would think that, like, if Johnny was the wealthiest person, they'd be living on the top floor? The penthouse? Yeah. It's so confusing. Yeah, the layout of this building is the TARDIS. Yeah. So, uh, Mike forgets... His underpants and comes back to get his underwear. Yeah, you hate when that happens. And Claudette, like, gets upset because, like, their apartment is Grand Central. Right. It's like the Tanner's house in Full House. Yeah, it's just so there's just always randos coming in and out. And now we're on the roof. Cut to the roof where Denny's dribbling a basketball. This scene's in HD for some reason. Yes. The entire film was shot simultaneously in 35mm and HD simultaneously yes like they taped two cameras together yes and they bought both cameras which is unheard of usually because camera tech gets outdated so quickly yeah usually studios rent right tommy Wiseau bought the cameras outright why not like why would you shoot it in two formats Mm -hmm. okay uh, would you also believe that this set was, the set's green screen. Yes. And I want to. Bad, obvious green screen. I disagree. Like, it is, I was able to pick up, this is green screen. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not really on a rooftop. But, the way the camera moves and stuff like that, the background is consistent. Yeah. I've worked with a green screen. And the issue is, like, if you move the camera on a green screen. It just continues to superimpose a still image. Right. Having it track so that, like, when you move the camera, the image also moves realistically is very difficult to do. Okay. And they do it well here. Yeah. To the point where I'm like, why do I think this is green screen? I actually started to believe it wasn't. Because I, it made more sense that the camera was bad and it just made it look like green screen than the idea that they were as capable enough to do green screen this well. I mean, other people working on the movie were perfectly competent. Uh, like, the camera people were largely competent, and when they start to fail is when apathy kicks in. Because Tommy Wiseau was not necessarily kind to the crew. Really? And they straight up revolted at least once. Really? And found out that they had, uh, Tommy Wiseau had hired another cameraman to do, like, a making of behind-the-scenes documentary. Really? And uh, he shot footage of the entire crew shit-talking Tommy Wiseau. Really? And so then he kind of dropped the bomb on the crew that, like, he knew everything they'd been saying. And then the crew, like, felt bad about it. 
Does that exist? I don't know. I don't think so. Because it would have come up somewhere in my travels. Yeah. Because that's interesting. And then this is the Chris R scene. Chris R is a drug dealer? Yeah, Denny apparently has fallen into the bad crowd. And this drug dealer wants his money. Yes. But, like, we're never really clear on why Denny owes him money. And it's only ever referred to as drugs. Yes. We don't know if it's weed or heroin. And, like, Lisa asks and is never answered. Yeah. And Lisa, like, cries and is just... And Chris Chris R. threatens Denny with a gun. And Johnny and Mark disarm. They, they disarm him and they're like, get him out of here. Yeah. And then they just walk off set with him. Yeah. And then they come back and they're like, well, he's dealt with. I was like, what do you mean? Well, they Did say, the like, police come? Well, Johnny says, let's take him to the police. Where's my fucking money, Denny? Did you lose my fucking money? I swear to God, it's coming. Where's my fucking money, Denny? Put the gun down. My fucking money? Okay. Where's my fucking okay, okay. money, Denny? Okay, okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, they walk him all the way to the station? I guess so. Um, and then, like, Denny cries into Lisa, and Claudette is like, what is this? This is crap. Yeah, like, you need, like, Claudette rips him up to part. Ooh, rips him to part. I think that Scotch is messing with me. Do you want another one? No, I definitely don't. Because I'm not going to drink that. I have this beer, though. I, I want to point out that I've had, like, three sips of beer and a tiny sip of scotchka. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to really be driving the boat from here on in. Oh, yeah. I am off the rails. <laughs> Just like this film. Um, I don't usually drink. It's true. <laughs> uh, you almost never drink on mic. Uh, I think you've had, like, one beer ever. And it might have been Cats. Uh, so Lisa kind of like is giving Danny the, Denny the third degree and Claudette is just screaming and Denny kind of like loses it and they're crying and everything. It's just like very weird. Yeah. And like, it's so confusing in that, like you've already like introduced the main conflict Mm -hmm. of Lisa no longer loves Johnny and wants to leave him. Yeah. This conflict forces Lisa to act in a complete opposite way. Yeah. Because, like, for her to care this hard about Denny... Yeah. ...makes her it very confusing that she's like, I want to get out of this situation completely. So everything about this feels out of place... Which I guess is why it never comes up again. Correct. This also never comes up again. So, like, Johnny comes back. They come back in record time. I don't know where Chris R is at this point. But Johnny and Mark come back in record time to check on Denny. And Mark kind of drags Claudette away. And then, you know, Johnny and Denny have, like, a weird heart-to-heart... And then we cut to Mark on the phone with Lisa. Right. Um, As if that scene had never occurred. And like, Lisa calls Mark and she's like a clingy, like, this scene, again, makes sense if you think about it as two teenagers. 
Yeah. Lisa's like, I miss you. And Mark's like, I just saw you. And like, yeah. that feels Remember very... the whole thing with Denny? He's on drugs. And then like, Mark is kind of blaming Lisa for everything. And like, Mark's saying it's over between them. Lisa is saying like, no, I love you. And Mark is just like upset by the whole thing. Yeah. And then we're up on the roof. And this is the most infamous scene in the entire film. This is? I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty infamous. Um, and so then it's Johnny explaining to Mark that Lisa is accusing him of domestic violence. Yeah. Which we never find out that he finds out about. Like, yeah, we never see this. As important as it was to see the scene where he buys flowers, we never get a scene where Johnny finds out he's been accused of this by Lisa. Yeah. It, like, that seems like an important moment. And we've never seen, like, the only person we have seen Lisa say this to is Claudette. And so we haven't seen Claudette talk to Johnny. Right. So, like, we don't know how he knows this. Uh, so, Mark is kind of just, like, upset about girls. Because mm-hmm. he is conflicted in his feelings for Lisa, but also, like, Johnny's his best friend, as you might have guessed. And Mark says, like, do you think girls cheat like guys do? So this, like, weird double standard already getting introduced of, like... What seems okay for men to do versus what seems okay for women to do. Mm-hmm. And Johnny says, like, I don't have to worry about that because Lisa is loyal to me. And we've already seen Lisa cheat on him. And there's a line of, like, oh, uh, I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out about it. Beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. Not the one on Guerrero Street. This line's important. Really? Tommy Wiseau's apartment was on Guerrero Street. And he was furious with Greg Sestero, who played Mark, for saying that because Tommy Wiseau was very secretive about his home. Oh. And then this ended up being the only take with usable audio. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so like the fact that it ended up in the movie and like uh, Tommy Wiseau hates it. Interesting. It's crazy. Uh, so, uh, we kind of just get, you know, them talking for a little bit, and then Denny shows up and confesses his love for Lisa to Johnny, who's cool with it. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, whatever, Denny. Yeah, you're a young boy of indiscriminate age, and you're gonna have feelings, and Lisa's the most beautiful woman who is always poorly lit. Yeah. Like, she's part of a family. Lisa loves you as a friend. You're like her son. And Denny's like, Denny's like worried Johnny's upset. And Le- and like, you kind of are supposed to get the idea that Johnny's so unthreatened by Denny. Yeah. Because he thinks of Denny as a child. Mm-hmm. And like not a, not competition for Lisa. See. Which would have made it almost more compelling if Denny and Lisa were having an affair. Yeah. See, to me what this is, is an author uh, writing from a place of such inexperience and 
unique background that they're trying to get across something that makes sense to literally no one. Right. Uh, because I remember when I was in college, uh, I wrote this play. Uh, it was called Deus Ex Machina. And it was about all these people of like different religions. And a big part of it was there was a, a character who was Catholic and a character who was Wiccan. And they fall in love and they sleep together. But they don't have sex. They just cuddle. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was super normal for, for them to be like, yeah, they're in love. So they go and they, they sleep next to each other. Everyone's like, that's the weirdest shit I've ever heard. It's like, you, they don't do anything? It's like, no, they're not married. I used to be a weird guy. I mean... I used to be a real goody two-shoes. I totally come from the fan fiction... Uh, we talked about this at the adult fan fiction thing. The trope of only one bed. Yeah. So to me, it's completely normal that two characters literally sleeping together, not mm-hmm. metaphorically sleeping together, would be something that would lead into a relationship. I mean, like, I I believe in the scene, like, they realize that they care about each other, so they just run to bed and go to sleep. It it made no sense in context. Okay, yeah, that that doesn't make sense, because, like, in that situation, like, oh, you realize feelings for each other, and I can see it being, like, they get in bed and just talk and then fall asleep together. Because, like, no, no, we don't see any of that. It was basically me being, like, writing a scene that's clearly them going to bone, and then me going... How does, why does everyone think that? They're good kids and they're sleeping next to each other. It's very sweet. You read that? You wrote this? I wrote this. Oh my God. Uh, I I think that something similar is going on here where like we clearly don't get this scene. But like to time it was so, it's like, of course he's okay with it that this kid that he sees as his son is sexually attracted to his His future wife. Yeah. Never girlfriend, never fiance. Future Always wife. future wife. Future wife. Um, so we next see Lisa and her friend Michelle, who we last saw uh, having sex with her boyfriend in the living room. So then they're talking and like drinking wine. And just like Lisa drops the bomb on Michelle that Tommy hit her. <laughs> I do this all the time when I'm talking about this movie. Johnny hit her. Yeah. And Michelle is normal, concerned. Like, oh my god, are you okay? He hit you? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, I don't want to marry him anymore. And a normal friend would be like, well, yeah. Yeah, he's abusive. Do you need me to, like, help you pack? You can stay at my place for a little Mm -hmm. bit. And then uh, Lisa goes like, Johnny's okay, but I found someone else. And Michelle immediately switches gears into being indignant that Lisa is cheating on Johnny. Yeah. I mean, hitting you is one thing, but infidelity? Yeah, like, it's very weird that the allegations of domestic abuse are much worse than, or are much less uh, severe than the allegations of her cheating on uh, Johnny. Yeah. I am very bad at the Johnny-Tommy thing. Yeah, you want to just call him Tommy. Yeah. Like, they kind of have this little moment of, like, Lisa and Michelle having girl talk, and Johnny comes in, and Johnny wants to know what they're talking about. And Lisa's like, it's just girl talk, it's just girl talk. And Johnny immediately goes, I never hit you. (laughs) Yeah, we never see them talk about this. 
And... Until now. Because, like, he's clearly been accused, and I guess his first instinct was to go to the roof. (laughs) Yeah, and talk to his best friend. Who he didn't know was up there. Yeah, and then there's this very weird scene where he says, like, I'm your future husband. And she goes, like, maybe I'll change my mind. Women change their minds all the time. And then he just laughs. And she says, I don't want to talk about it, which she says a million times in this movie. She tries to leave and go to bed, and he shoves her Mm -hmm. onto the couch and says, like, you have to tell me everything. Yeah. Which is abusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's hit her. He... He did. (laughs) It's not bullshit. It's not bullshit. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Um, But he... He shoves her and screams at her. And then this is when he says it. Yeah. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Now, this is a direct reference to Rebel Without a Cause. <gasps> what? Yes. Uh, both Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero idolized James Dean. Rebel Without a Cause is a fantastic movie. Yeah. How is this a reference to Rebel Without a Cause? You're tearing me apart is a line in Rebel Without a Cause. Huh. Yeah, you wouldn't recognize it, now would you? No! So, uh, it took them... So many takes to get this line. Really? Yeah, and I, it's always especially bad when it's the writer-director who can't get the line right. Because, like, you of all people should know how it should be delivered. Yeah, it's, and you're the one who's making the reference to the movie you love. Yeah, and... You're ripping me to shreds, Eliza! Well, I think I... he... He does get it wrong a bunch of times, and I can't remember exactly how he does, but... He does have, like, different iterations of how he gets it wrong. So then we have this weird little outside alleyway scene with uh, Mike and Johnny just talking. And Mike tells Johnny about how he forgot his underwear and how his mother-in-law found his other pants. How Johnny's mother-in-law-to-be found his underpants. Right. Uh, It's clearly supposed to be a funny comic relief scene. Well, yeah, this movie is listed as a dark comedy. We'll talk about that. Where are the jokes? Where are they? It is... Okay, we'll talk about this now. Okay. Uh, Tommy Wiseau meant it to be a romantic drama. Okay. And actually, on Wikipedia, it's still listed as a romantic drama. Once it took off and everybody thought it was hilarious, Tommy Wiseau retconned it into being a dark comedy. Oh, okay. Like, he was trying to course correct, kind of being like, I meant it to be like this. (laughs) I'm I'm a genius. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so then, like, it's just this weird little scene where the, you know, Denny, Johnny, Mark, and Mike all kind of just, like, throw around a football and talk about nothing. Yeah, this scene makes no sense. And who is this other guy? Mike? Yeah, where did he come from? He's Michelle. Uh, Michelle is Lisa's best friend. It's her boyfriend. Yeah, and did we miss the scene where Mark almost throws that guy off the roof? We have not missed that scene. Uh, We haven't actually seen Peter yet. Okay. So, then, like, they just go home, and it's Claudette and Lisa again. Lisa is, or Claudette is guilting Lisa because Claudette tried to get money out of Johnny Mm -hmm. to help her friend with a down payment on a house. That is so many degrees of separation away. Yeah. That, like, why would I... We don't think it's weird that, like, 
you wouldn't help one of my mom's friends with a down payment. No, I certainly would not. <laughs> so, like... Sorry. Claudette is, like, indignant that Johnny won't pay for it. But it's supposed to be symbolizing that, like, there's relationships falling apart. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Claudette says, like, I expected your husband to be a little more generous. And Lisa says, he's not my husband. So Claudette really emphasizes how much Johnny's part of their family because she wants Johnny's money. It's weird and awkward. Yes. it. So that's really all that that happens. And Lisa says that, like, I had sex with someone else. Right. And Tommy is on the spiral staircase like a creep, mm-hmm. eavesdropping. Yes. This is where he starts to kind of learn stuff. And then he announces he's going to record everything. Yeah, and we see every moment of him setting up this stupid recorder. Every detail. This movie was made in 2003. This tape recorder was made in 1986. Yeah. Like, every moment of him putting together, plugging in, setting up. I Yeah, it's unnecessary. It could have been explained in a line. It might be longer than Lisa and Mark's sex scene. Yeah, it really feels that way. And then we cut back to them and... Uh, Johnny, and now here's where Peter is. Peter is like this nerdy, only sane man kind of guy. He's a psychiatrist. And he's kind of like talking Johnny down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peter like doesn't want to get involved. Right. Peter's like, I'm not going to meddle in your relationship. I don't know why I'm in this movie. Um, he's like, he was supposed to be a larger character. Oh, okay. The actor had to leave partway through production because production went massively over schedule and the actor had other commitments. Oh. Uh, Good for him. (laughs) uh, Tommy Wiseau still holds it against him. Really? Yeah, like he wasn't invited to the premiere of the film. He ruined the movie. Uh, And then Mark shows up and it's awkward. Uh, Because Mark mentions that like, I have a girl, she's married, she's attractive, it's driving me crazy. So Mark is kind of just announcing he has this love interest, who is Johnny's future wife. But he's not being cagey about it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a weird thing. Like, if I am dating my best friend's fiancé on the sly, I do not walk up to my best friend and go like, sure do have a boyfriend, married though. Mm -hmm. Um... Like, I am not talking about my romantic exploits in this time. So it's very, it's very weird. Johnny asks if he can meet her. Mm-hmm. And Mark's like, no. And then Johnny's like, oh, do you think I'll take her away from you? Ha <laughs> ha. And Mark just laughs and says no. And it's weird because, like, Johnny complains and then Peter asks him to talk to him. And then Johnny's like, no, you always make us do- talk to you about our problems. After Peter has just said he didn't want to get involved. Yeah, the... It- Everything contradicts itself. It's so confusing and so stupid. Yeah. And then uh, they call Peter a chicken. Cheep, 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 Which I, like, I wonder if Arrested Development is referencing the room with their terrible chicken impressions. Yeah. Because, like, make a chicken noise. Cheep, 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 cheep. That's not a chicken. That's a chicken! That is a chicken! Like, nobody goes cheap. 
Yeah. That's a chick, maybe. Yep. Yep, yep. Because they were going to do the Bay to Breakers this year. And let me see what Bay the Beta Breakers is. Um, Beta Breakers is a big race in uh, San Francisco. It's okay. intended to be weird. You wear a weird costume. Okay. Um, but it's not something people know that much about. And they throw it in like, are you doing Beta Breakers this year? Yeah, I'd never heard of it. Um, I literally looked it up for this because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know either. And then they kind of, like, start talking about people who they've seen at Beta Breakers. And talking about how much they ate. Yeah. It's very weird. And then Peter goes, how did you meet Lisa? You never told us. That's so weird. Like, how did you meet your fiancé? How would they not know? I don't know. Like... I, I think that's a cute story you tell people. Like, But these are your best friends. Yeah. Who ostensibly would know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, and it didn't need to be a question. It could have just shifted into Johnny reminiscing mm-hmm. without Peter going, well, how did you meet her? Yeah, that's true. Um, there's no subtlety in this movie. Yeah, there's also not an audience avatar. No. Which, like, if you wanted to bring in this established group, there should have been, like, a new resident in the building or something. Yeah. (laughs) If they wanted to exposition dump like this. Yeah. They, like, talk about how he's a busboy in a hotel, and she was beautiful, and he just, like, went up and said hi to her. And Mark was like, okay, so that's, how is that interesting? Mm -hmm. And then we find out Lisa paid for their first date. Right. And that's supposed to be like, oh, yeah. what? A lady paid with money? Yeah. I mean, I guess their first date would have been in 1998. <laughs> Times oh, were sorry. different then. I guess. Um. So then, like, Lisa shows up and Mark tries to leave. And this is when Denny talks to Lisa about her wedding gown. And she's like, I've got plenty of time. And Denny's like... Well, it's a month away. So the wedding is like this ultimate Chekhov's gun, right? Well, like, we never see a wedding. Well, that's what I mean. It's a failure of Chekhov's gun, too. Yeah. Like, we are constantly talking about a wedding that is a month away. Mm-hmm. And you've got a love triangle. Rule of drama. When should this love triangle resolve? The wedding. The wedding. But we're also always talking about his birthday. Yes. That's where all all the things are going to happen. And then uh, Peter and Mark are on the roof. And this is when Mark's just like smoking pot. And Peter confronts Mark. And is like, you're having an affair with Lisa. Mm -hmm. And Mark's like, no. And then Mark tries to murder Peter. Yeah, he's like, how dare you? I will throw you off this building. Which we've established is only like three stories. So, like... He'd probably still die. But, like... But not, like... He might not. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he'd walk away. <laughs> but I'm saying that, like, it wouldn't solve the problem. Yeah. Um, And then... uh, Peter, like, writes himself 
And Mark goes, sorry, are you okay? And Peter goes, yeah, I'm fine. Let's just talk about your problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he shakes it off. He's like, oh, all right. You just tried to murder me, but let's talk about you. And then, like, Peter just talks about how Lisa's terrible. Peter's the only person who sees through Lisa. Yeah. And we then cut to an exterior shot of a church. Which would oh, signal to me, which would signal to me that we're heading to the wedding. The wedding, yeah. And then the next thing we see is all of them in the living room in tuxedos. Oh yeah. And then this is when they decide to go play football. Yeah. And it's not the wedding. Yeah. It's they're, just they're, they're in, trying them on, I think. Yeah, and they're just like playing football in tuxedos. Nothing happens. In Nothing. The uh, one guy falls. And then we're at the coffee shop. And we see two people give their orders. Who we never see again. They're not important. No. Somebody orders cheesecake. It's fine. And then uh, Mark and uh, Johnny just like have a conversation. And the barista knows Johnny. Everybody knows Johnny. Everybody loves Johnny. And Mark like pouts about his relationship. Mark brings up relationships again. Mark must, like, desperately want Johnny to know about it. Well, he's his best friend. Yeah, and then, like... So Johnny's, like, talking about work and then, like, can't tell Mark anything because it's confidential. And then he goes, anyway, how is your sex life? Have you ever asked one of your friends how their sex life is? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that... Weird. Um, I have never asked one of my friends, like, anyway, how is your sex life? Like, you might say, like, how are things going with so-and-so? And it might lead into a conversation. Like, I'm like, oh, how are things going with, you know, Bob? And they're like, ah, things are okay. This happened. You're like, okay. Too much information. But back to the apartment. I know this feels very fragmented. This is how the movie is. Yeah. Uh, it's like Turn On, but makes less sense. Somehow, yeah. And uh, they're in the bedroom, and Mark and Lisa are both in Johnny's bedroom. You know, we get another sex scene between yeah. Mark and Lisa. And then Johnny and Mark are jogging together. It's dumb. Nothing else happens. Yeah. Uh, it's a pointless scene. Then we get to the day of the party, which we figure out from context clues of, like, Lisa mentioning, like, I have plenty of time. All I have to do is put on my party dress. She's, like, cleaning up before the party. Yeah, before everybody shows up. Pretty normal. And then Lisa takes her shirt off. And then takes Mark's shirt off. And they start making out. Yeah. Like, they just can't, they can't stop doing this. And it's not, like, seductive in any way. Like, almost, like... Mark's fetish has got to be getting caught. <laughs> it's quite possible. Like, that's the only explanation. Is that he's, like, really into, like, I'm gonna get caught. Somebody knocks on the door and Lisa says, come in, it's open. So, like, someone comes in and Mark is pulling his shirt on. Yeah, it's insane. Michelle, like, kind of confronts them. Did you tell Johnny yet? No. Mark's his best friend. Tricky, tricky. You know, I really loved Johnny at first. Everything's changed. I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. 
Suddenly my eyes are wide open and I can see everything so clearly. I want it all. You think you can get it all from Mark? If he can't give me what I want, somebody else will. Yeah, like she's already planning to cheat on Mark. Yep. After this. It's she's so cartoonishly evil. Yeah. And Michelle like doesn't like it. Michelle is like thing is like Michelle doesn't approve, but Michelle never like actually gets mad at Lisa. Well, it's one of those things where like she doesn't approve, but because she is her friend, like she'll support her no matter what. Yeah, and like most female friendships don't operate like because that. Because there's another big reveal coming. Right. That like she's totally cool with. And so they're like in the apartment getting ready for the party. We get to the night, like we get to some like time establishment shots, and then uh, the party. He comes in and it's a surprise party. Right. And he's very happy. Uh,. You know, Johnny's thrilled that all of his friends are there. Yay! And, uh, Stephen is there. Stephen is new Peter. Yeah, they, they just replace him. So there's, you know, all these, and all these extras who we haven't seen before. So we're at the party, and Lisa kind of uh, shoes everybody out into the roof. And everyone's like, okay, yeah, the roof, roof party, woo! And then... Uh, Lisa tries to seduce Mark. Yeah, in the middle again. of the living room, because he's clear. That's clearly their thing. Yeah, like in front of everybody now. And then Stephen shows up. Who Stephen is new Peter, right? And like he confronts them, and this is when Mark says, "Leave your stupid comments in your pocket." And Stephen and Lisa have a confrontation, and. Johnny and Michelle come in, and Johnny, like, thanks Lisa for the wonderful party. And Lisa immediately switches gears and be like, you're welcome, darling. You know how much I love you. Yeah, why would you even bother to do that if you're going to leave him? Right. Like, there's never any plot of, like, I'm using him for his money. I mean, like, her mom says to do that, but she never does this. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for her to keep up the charade. Just break up with him. Yeah. And we get what would seem like a little montage of, like, establishing shots that would establish the passing of time. But no time has passed. No time passes. And Johnny announces that Lisa's pregnant. Yeah. Again, this is a scene we should have gotten. We should have gotten the scene of Lisa telling Johnny she's pregnant. Yeah. Not as important as seeing him buy flowers. Because... That's a huge scene, and it makes a lot of things make sense. Yeah. It makes sense that even though they're on the rocks, you know, Johnny can forgive Lisa because she's having his child. Yeah, I mean, she should have said that when Johnny pushed her. Yeah. Like, don't do that, I'm pregnant. Then everything would change. Or after that girl talk. But, yeah. But, like, also, what does Lisa get out of telling Johnny this? If nothing else, it makes sure that they'll stay together. Yeah. Lisa just doesn't want to ruin his birthday. Because I'm not sure if we made this clear on the podcast. Uh, Lisa then reveals that she's lying and is not pregnant. Oh, we're literally just about to say that. Oh, okay. Um, that's the next thing that happens. Uh, but Mark is worried because, like, Mark isn't sure if it's his. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And then Stephen and Michelle, who are like... Which doesn't make any sense because they only had sex a week ago. Maybe less than a week ago. I think it's like a week and a half. Like, so if it was his, she wouldn't even know she was pregnant yet. Yeah. More importantly, she was drinking scotchka. Yep. Like a week ago. Yep. None of this makes sense. No, I mean, if she had just found out she was pregnant. Like, the scotchka. You can forgive her for drinking like that. Because she didn't know. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if, like, not to get, like, really biological, but if her period had been due, like, right after that, and she's now a week and a half late and has taken a pregnancy test, like, you can't hate her for drinking the scotchka before she knew. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, so, but, like, it's a very weird situation, you also wouldn't announce it to a... Most people don't announce that to a room full of their friends until you're out of the first trimester. Yeah. Uh, because... The miscarriages uh, happen. Yeah, because it's more to protect the emotions of the parents if something should happen. You don't want to have to, like, then call everyone you know and be like, by the way... We lost the uh, I have to relive this trauma over and over and over again mm. so that you don't ask me a weird question in three months. Right. And... Like, Michelle and Steve are very, very upset because they are, like, the only sane people. Mm -hmm. Mike is nowhere to be found. He's at the party, but, like, we don't know where he is. And Lisa and Mark have a big fight, and she slaps him. Because Mark is worried that the kid is his. Right. And Johnny intervenes, and Mark and Johnny have a physical fight where they shove each other. Steven and Lisa pull them apart, and... Then we, like, kind of just, like, go back to the party. Now, the host and his best friend have just had a fight over the host's future wife. Yeah. And everyone's still at this party. Yeah. Nobody leaves. And, like, the next thing we see is Lisa and Mark slow dancing in the living room. Yeah. Um. It's, none of this makes sense. The, like, the movie. I have never slow danced with one of my friends if my fiancé is available. Like... Yeah. Like, let me rephrase that. One of my, like, gender I would be interested in friends. You right. know what I mean? Like, Yes, I, I get what you're saying. Not like... Once we get to this part of the movie, no action is what a human being would do. And, like, Johnny confronts Lisa and Mark, and they just, like, get into a huge fight. Mm-hmm. And they kind of start screaming at each other that they're going to kill each other. And this sounds really dramatic, but it's really stupid. And Johnny kind of throws everybody out of the house and says, I am fed up with this world. Everyone's betrayed me. Now, mind you, the only people who've betrayed him are his uh, future wife and his best friend. Well, All I these other people at the party are still his friends. Well, there's a lot of people who didn't tell him. Like... I mean, I guess you don't have the greatest relationship with uh, whoever that girlfriend is. Michelle. Who's like, I'll keep all your secrets. Yeah. And Stephen has found out not even 15 minutes prior. That is true. And I could see Stephen, like if I found out, I probably wouldn't tell somebody at their birthday party. That would be a next morning phone call. True. Like. And so then Johnny is like in the bathroom refusing to come out and Claudette like. Cleans up 
the house and, like, kind of confronts Lisa for being terrible. And Lisa's like, you can call me if you need me. Uh, everything's going to be okay. Right. So it really minimizes the fact that her daughter is bad. Um, and then she calls Mark. Yeah. And is just like, tells Mark she loves him. And Mark says, I don't like him anymore. Which is such a, like, four-year-old thing to say. Yeah, I don't know why. And there's no real reason, like, of course he's going to be upset that you slept with his fiance. That's something you said when you slept with his fiance. Like, the fact that you're like, yeah, he's a bad person now makes no sense. So, then Lisa and Mark make plans to sleep together. And she's going to head up. And Johnny comes out and produces the tape recorder. Right. Meanwhile, like, Johnny would have heard her through the door. Yeah, like, there's enough evidence now that he doesn't need the tape recorder. Like, if you were in the bathroom, there really isn't a place in our house that you wouldn't hear my end of a conversation on the phone. Yeah. Like. But it it also recorded his, I don't understand. It also recorded Mark's side of the conversation. I don't understand anything. None of this makes sense. We're at the part of the movie where nothing makes sense. Also, the recording doesn't match. No, yeah, different things are said. Yes. And uh, Lisa screams that I put up with you for seven years. We've already established they'd only been together for five. That's true. Um, And then, like, Johnny just screams at Lisa and Lisa leaves him. So this is the part of the movie where I'm like, hey, this movie's got to be over soon. Mm-hmm. How is there going to be a resolution to this? Like, Mark is now full on evil. Yep. Lisa has left him. Like, how how is this movie going to end? Uh, we get a flashback montage yeah. of the good times of we have seen. All the good times. Them having sex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just get the sex scenes again, really. Yeah, Lisa laughing with Johnny's tie around her head, them having sex some more. Lisa laughing with her t- with the tie around her head was during Lisa's plot to get him drunk to frame him for spousal abuse. Yes. That's one of the good times he flashes back to. Because we have no other footage. We don't have any, like, them being together before this. Mm-hmm, that's true. Um, usually, like, in a movie like this, you would have some, like, them just doing other things. Right. Like, them walking hand in hand in the Golden Gate Bridge, or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, them on a date. Yeah, them at that, they could have gone to that same coffee shop. Yeah, the one that they already had And shared a piece of cheesecake. Um, so then, like, Johnny goes on this rampage in the apartment. And just throws things and throws TV out the window in the funniest scene of all of cinema. And he just goes on this... I I cannot do it justice with words. Like, he can't knock his whole dresser over, so he has to take out two of the drawers and take all the stuff out and then knock it over. It's like the scene from uh, Wet Hot American Summer, where they start just knocking stuff over in a panic for no reason. Yeah. And then he finds the red dress he bought Lisa at the beginning of the movie. Which, logically, she should have worn to the party, right? Like, if this red dress was that important. Yeah, that would have made sense. Because, like, if I'm doing costume theory, the red dress could be emblematic of her relationship with Johnny. Mm-hmm. 
So then you would see her change out of the red dress partway through the party. Yes. After their fight. Or like after the party, when Claudette comes up, she's no longer wearing the red dress. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like she's wearing red in scenes where she's with Johnny and she's wearing another color when she's in scenes Ooh, with Mark. What a simple thing that would make this movie so much better. And then we start seeing less of the color she wears when she's with Johnny and more of the color she wears when she's with Mark, even in scenes with Johnny. Yeah, that would, yeah. Good directing, love. Um, so then Johnny dry humps the red dress. It's, it's <sighs> actually the most uncomfortable. <sighs> we had to have another sex scene. Oh. To me, I think this one is the most uncomfortable. In a, sea, in a movie of uncomfortable sex scenes, that's impressive. And then, like, he gets another flashback montage of all the bad moments with Lisa. Which there are more of. Lisa and Mark dancing, her screaming like she doesn't love him and she puts up with him. And he picks up a box and opens a handgun. Yeah, apparently he had a gun this whole time. Yeah. And then we get this flashback from another scene where Lisa says, everything will be all right. Good night, Johnny. And then he pulls the trigger... After putting the gun in his mouth. And I, I scream, wait, really? This is how this is going to end? And he's found by Denny? No, he's found by Mark and Lisa. Mark and Lisa find him first. Um, And they both freak out. Mark kisses Johnny's forehead. Yeah, because now they both love him still. Yeah. And Lisa kind of then capitalizes on the situation by being like, I've lost him, but I still have you. And Mark kind of snaps out of the trance with Lisa. Yeah. Of being like, no, my best friend's dead because yeah. you're terrible. M- Mark says what I believe is my the best uh, line in the movie. Which is weird because, like, a lot of these lines have been, like, memed. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. You can keep your stupid comments in your pocket. Cheap, 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 cheap. All of those. But oh, my, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. But by far my favorite is... As far as I'm concerned. You can drop off the earth. It's a promise. Yeah, and he goes like, you're the cause of all this. Because he clearly had nothing to do with that kind no, of sex. No, 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 no. He is blameless in this. And then Denny comes in and Denny genuinely loses it. Yeah. Uh, and like, this is his father figure. It makes sense that Denny's losing it. But he kicks Lisa and Mark out of the room and says like, leave us. Both of you leave. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. It's a, it's a little creepy. It's, I want to be alone with this dead body. Yeah, like, don't. Don't. Just leave, both of you. And, like, Denny cries and screams, why? And then Mark and Lisa actually don't leave. Yeah, they, they just end up staying. This feels very much... Um, one of the big criticisms of the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why... Is that the 13 reasons why morals seem to be, I'll kill myself and they'll all be sorry. Yeah, like, suicide works. Yeah, and, like, that's this movie, too. Yeah. Of, like, Johnny commits suicide and that makes them all sorry. Mm-hmm. But you can't take it back now. Yeah, like... And I should mention, this is the end of the movie. Yes. The movie's now over. Yes. And that's just it. Yep. Ugh. That's it. I'm sure you have much more to say about Um, this film. This movie obviously took on an insane second life 
It ran in one theater in San Francisco for a couple weeks. Um, or excuse me, one theater in Los Angeles for a couple weeks to get an Oscar qualifying run. Oh. Because Tommy Wiseau thought this movie was going to win an Oscar. Did he know? Uh, James Franco won a Golden Globe for playing Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Which is interesting because the Golden Globes actually inspired this movie. The Night of the Golden Globes, that was what, like, kick-started uh, Tommy Wiseau into writing this movie. Because he was obsessed with the movie The Talented Mr. Ripley. With Matt Damon? Yes. And you can kind of see, like, with the duplicitousness and, like, the triangle. Huh. Okay. Where he badly took stuff from that movie. Uh, this movie's fascinating. There's just, like, I could talk about this movie for days. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, it's so bad that you can't believe it got finished. Yeah, and really just, Tommy was out through money at this movie. Yeah. They rebuilt the rooftop scene three different times. Really? Yeah, like, they were done with it, and then they decided to go back to it. Wow. Yeah, and, like... Tommy Wiseau was monstrously abusive to the cast. I, I can believe that. Like, every cast member was called every single day, and that's not really how it works. No. So it's it's fascinating. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's so bad it's good. It's fantastic. Like, I, you're just stunned the whole time. Like, they're not really going to, yeah, they're just going to keep going. Okay. Um, I I do love this movie because of its sheer incompetence. Yeah. Like, it's also a really fun writing exercise of, like, how would you fix this? Yeah, and I know that's how we usually end these episodes, is I'm like, here's, here's some solutions. I don't have a solution for this film. I mean, following the game over rule, uh, you would have to do so much to this movie. Yeah, because, like, the, the plot doesn't make any sense. Right. The characters have no motivations. Right. There has to be a reason why Lisa wants to leave to, uh, Johnny beyond I'm bored. Yeah. And then there has to be a reason why she doesn't just break up with him like a normal human being. Yeah. Because, like, she does things to actively keep them in a relationship. Yeah, like, she doesn't just forget his birthday. No, she throws him a very nice party and makes him think that... They're going to have a baby. Yeah, and, like, doesn't call off their wedding. Like, you need some sort of plot point of, like, he needs to be the one that breaks up with her so that she gets X. Yeah. But none of this happens. It's very much written from, like, women be cheating. Yeah, like, I could actually even see, like, we need to go through with the wedding because if we get married, I get half of everything. Yeah, something. Like, that's such a simple way to do it. Yeah. So, like, we need to keep this on the DL till the wedding. Because there's really... There's not really even a reason to make her unlikable in this. Other than that she's a cartoon villain. Yeah, and, like, that Johnny is so good she must be evil. Yeah, it's just... It's real bad. Yup. Any other bits of trivia? Uh... Not really that I can figure, like, not that I can recall off the top of my head. Okay. Um, that makes sense to drop in here like this. Okay. But uh, Disaster Artist is a great book. Uh, it has a lot about the making of the movie. Greg Sestero, who played Mark, wrote it. 
So, yeah, that's very... So, like, it is a on-the-front-lines. Mm-hmm. So it, that's fantastic. I highly recommend that book. If you like this podcast, you'll like that book. Uh, I'm curious, did it win the Razzie? Or was it too small for, like, the Razzies to even realize it existed? Because it came out in 2003. It came out in 2003. Uh, this did not win the Razzie, but it did win... A, an audience award at the New York International Independent Film and Video Festival in 2004. Wow. Prestigious. Probably because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wow, what a farce. I don't think this movie had become what it would become yet. Yeah, it didn't. When it came out. Like, it it didn't make a huge scene. It became a midnight movie. Yeah, it hadn't made it splash yet of, like, look how terrible this is. Yeah, it hadn't grown into its own reputation yet. Since we're looking at IMDb, where does it rank on the worst films on IMDb? I bet it doesn't. I bet it does, because people like to mention how terrible this Number is. Number 62. Number 62. Wow. So there's we had 61 other movies to watch. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That was my Tommy was so laugh. Ah ha ha ha. So let's give it a verdict. Oh, uh, this is stay tuned. I had a great time. Really? Yeah. I had a great time. I like you're you're enjoying it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I don't think I can go stay tuned on this one. I think I have to go stay doomed. It's really bad. It is like hilariously bad, but like it's also super confusing. <laughs> I had a great time. And I'm just like, I don't even get what, how is this happening? I mean, you and I kind of have the thing of like, if it's a movie that says it will do what it says it's going to do. I do also have the secondary thing of like, did I have fun? Would I watch this more? Yeah. Yeah. And like. For any reason. I had fun. So I I can't really, I can't really throw it to the wolves. Uh, Did Tommy Wiseau ever make another movie? He did. He and Greg Sestero made Best Fiends. Best Fiends? Yes, which I have not seen. We should watch that. All right. I'm down. And and see what that's about. I... I, This was after... uh, This was after The Room had found its, like, cult. Okay. So I'm wondering if this is, like... If Best Fiends is going to be an attempt. To to be as bad as The Room? Yes. Like, if it's going to try to, like, continue to get that. Because it kind of reminds me of... Have you ever seen Bowfinger? I have not. Bowfinger, it's a great movie. It is Steve Martin. He is trying to make a movie. He always dreamed about making a movie. And he gets greenlit to make this movie because he pretends like he knows this actor. Uh, I forget who the actor's like character name is, but it's played by he's played by Eddie Murphy. Okay. And basically what he does is he makes the movie, but he doesn't tell the actor he's in it. So, like, they just kind of, like, jump out and, like, do these scenes with him. And he just acts naturally. And they film it and they cut together this movie. Oh, wow. It's it's really interesting. And uh, in the end, like, he kind of gets caught. But he has enough footage to make this movie. So they release the movie. It's called Chubby Rain. And then he ends up like getting this contract to make shitty movies. 
And, like, it, it kind of reflects the life of Tommy Wiseau. All right. So, uh, here's a, a real good question. What are we doing next week? Next week we are going to do Mina and the Count, which is six cartoon shorts uh, that never got to quite make it to series. But I think they count under Stay Doomed because they are a serial of shorts. Yes. And we're going to be honest with you, like with what's all going on in the world today and all that good stuff, we're not positive we're going to be able to put together an episode next week. So we had to pick something kind of short. Yep. So there. Deal with it. Yeah. Even though we're on social distancing, we're both uh, still very busy. In fact, busier yes. than you would think. We both have shoot jobs that are actually becoming busier because of this. Yes. Um, and the hours are becoming a little stranger. Yeah. So where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about the delicious taste of scotchka, <laughs> I'm at TV's Noah. And if you want to PayPal me what you owe me, NoahHoolahan at gmail.com. And if you found yourself fixated by this film and want to just talk about it, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>